Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from City Harvest Church, Orange County. To find out more information about City Harvest, please visit chcus.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform by typing in chcus. We're going to go straight into the word. All right, let's pray. My Father in heaven, this morning, oh God, Lord, I pray that you will empower me, anoint me, oh God, as I deliver this message, that, Lord, it will be to the accuracy of the dimension of your love for the body of Christ. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, come, and, Lord, touch every heart so that they will be open. Lord, not just receive information, but there will be a revelation of the love of our Father upon our lives, of the power of the work of God on the cross of Calvary. And I pray for everyone listening, tuning in right now in their homes, and those who are listening in after this recording, that, Lord, the Spirit of God will open up their eyes according to Ephesians 1, that, Lord, their eyes of understanding will be enlightened, that they may fully comprehend the width, the height, and the depth of your love for us, the body of Christ. So we thank you, Lord. We give this service to you, and we say, Lord, come and have your way in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. What a wonderful praise and worship. Let's give the praise and worship team a big hand. Now, this is what I call praise and worship God. Amen. How many of you feel the presence of God here in this place? And last week, Pastor Derek preached a very important message about the remnant, right? He said the remnant are people who live by the Word of God, they love God, they pursue God, and the glory of God is their whole motivation in their journey of Christianity, amen? And he talked about the five solas, right? Number one, sola scriptoria, which means that the remnant live by the word alone. The word is the final authority in their life. And the second sola, the sola Christos, which is Jesus alone is the Savior, the King, and the Savior, the Lord, and the King. The third one, sola fide, which is salvation through faith alone. Salvation through faith alone. The fourth, sola gratia. Sola gratia, which is salvation by grace alone. The fifth one is sola dio gloria, which is the remnant must live for the glory of God alone. So this is the characteristics of the remnant. The remnant are people who are called out. God called us out. And God called every remnant in every family, in every community, in every nation, every city. God is always calling remnant out to follow him. And through following him, that their family shall be saved, their community will be touched, their nation will come to the Lord. Can you say amen? An individual remnant come together collectively, we form the true body of Christ. We form the true church of the living God. But one of these verses that caught my attention is Ezra 9 verse 8. Ezra 9 verse 8 says, The remnant collectively will provide a sanctuary. Everyone say sanctuary. sanctuary. 
So we collectively will be able to provide a sanctuary for the rest of the world so that when they come under this sanctuary, they will be protected. Very much echoing what Revelation 12 verse 12 says. And Revelation 12 verse 12 says, when Jesus died, listen carefully. When Jesus died on the cross, the devil no longer has access to the heavenly realm. Now he is being cast down on the earth. Amen. And the Bible says that he is a roaring lion, walking through and below the earth to see whom he may devour. So who does he devour? Not the people of the world, because they are already following him. They devour the remnant. He will devour the remnant. In comparison, another verse says, the lion of Judah walks to and fro the earth to see whose hearts are loyal towards him. And he will show himself strong on their behalf. Who is he talking about? The remnant. So you understand in this verse, Revelation 12 verse 12, and please show it, Revelation 12 verse 12, there is two extreme examples here. Even though Revelation 12 doesn't talk about the sanctuary, what Revelation 12 describes is heaven here on earth. So in the last days where the devil roams through the earth, he will devour and create chaos and havoc, and he will devour the people of God. And in that time, there will be great torment, grief. The Bible says, woe, great grief, great pain, great torment. Do you experience that in this time right now? Yes. But Revelation 12 says, the remnant are people who will find heaven here on earth. And when they come under this heaven, they will be protected by what is going on in the world. They will have victory to overcome troubles. They will have peace to overcome the chaos. They will have strength to overcome difficulties. That's why it says rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Rejoice. And when on the onset of the COVID, God spoke to me in Haggai chapter 2. And you will, uh, you will see me repeating this Haggai chapter 2 over and over again because Haggai chapter 2 is a depictment of what we are going to go through before Christ returns. Yeah. Haggai chapter 2 says, yet once more, I will shake the heavens and the earth. In fact, I will shake what? All nations. Haggai chapter 2, please. I would like you to follow uh, so that everyone can catch up with uh, what I'm saying. Haggai chapter 2 says, God is going to shake heavens and the earth. So what? So that they shall come to the desire of all nations. Who's the desire of all nations? Who is he? Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. So who is coming to the desire of all nations? The remnant. When the remnant come, the Bible says, and come to the desire of all nations, Haggai chapter 2 says, there will be glory. Everyone say glory. Glory. Now, I want to ask you, why would there be glory? Who is the king of glory? Yes, Jesus is the king of glory. So when the remnant come to the desire of all nations, the king will be enthroned in their midst. Can I hear amen? When the king is enthroned, glory will come. Yeah. 
And the, the word of uh, Haggai chapter 2 says, when that happens, there will be wealth redistribution. The gold is mine, the silver is mine. So God will once again claim the possession of this world, and there will be wealth redistribution. Yeah. So you understand, in this time, there is diverse poverty, and there is mega wealth. Yeah. So the, the wealth gap is so, so huge, but God is going to bring about order. He is going to redistribute his wealth. And in that time, the last verse of Haggai chapter 2 says, peace will come. Everyone say peace. peace. The sanctuary will be established. The people, of the, the people of this world will run to the house of God because there's chaos outside the sanctuary, but there's peace in the house of God. Can you hear? Can you say amen? So when I was in Singapore, I asked God, what is this year all about? Or what is this period all about? And God dropped the word distinction into my spirit. Everyone say distinction. distinction. So I want to say to you, 2023 is a year, it's the beginning of distinction. Yeah. Right? When you're in school, if you do so well, your, your professor gives you a distinction. Well, what is the definition of distinction? Distinction is to make different what is similar. To make different what is similar. That God is raising up a remnant who is different amongst the people who say they follow God. Distinction is also to have excellence that sets someone apart. So 2023 marks the beginning of excellence. Meaning that the believers must follow God excellently. They must fight for their faith excellently. They must build God's house excellently so that God can bring about a distinction. Just like what Exodus 8 says when God sent Moses to Pharaoh. And God told Moses to tell Pharaoh that I will bring about a distinction between my people and your people. And he repeated again in Exodus 9, and he says, I will bring about a distinction between the livestock of Egypt and the livestock of Israel. And those livestock of Israel will be protected. God is bringing about a distinction. Everyone say distinction. But how will this distinction be announced? How is he going to bring about the distinction? He's going to bring through the obvious fulfillment of the covenant of Abraham. How many of you have read about the covenant of Abraham? Amen? Now, this covenant, we all know as believers, we all are descendants of Abraham, so we inherit the covenant of Abraham. But to be honest, very few people really appreciate fully the extent of this covenant. Because it is a promise given to this Middle Eastern man, Abraham. And we have no relationship with him. Uh, Culturally, we are different from him. We don't speak the same language. We don't understand the ways of life in Middle East. So we all have been taught that we inherit this covenant. But to be honest, do you feel fully grafted in? Do you feel... uh, Do you feel strongly that you are the descendants of uh, Abraham and this covenant is for you? From my experience, most people are not very serious about the Abrahamic covenant. But today in my preaching, in this message, I want to show you that everything starts 
from this covenant forward. Nothing ever happened if Abraham was not chosen and responded the way he did. Know that Jesus Christ would not have come if this covenant did not exist. Many scholars say this is the covenant of grace, which many a time it is true. Because it was not out of the goodness of Abraham that God came to him one day and said, I'm going to make you a promise. God invaded the atmosphere of humanity and picked a man and said, from this day forward, I'm going to bless you. But do you know that Abraham uh, Abraham did not know God? He was a son of an idolater. Terah, his father, was not a believer of God. It was highlighted in the Bible that Terah is an idol worshiper. So Abraham did not grow up knowing Jehovah. He didn't know who this goddess was. But God came into his life and said, Abraham, from this day forward, I'm going to promise you I'm going to make you a a nation. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to give you land. And through you, all the nations, everyone say all. All the nations shall be blessed. What an amazing covenant. God, through his grace, came into the sphere of humanity. And let's read this covenant. You need to read this covenant. In fact, you need to read it every day. This covenant says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Let's read this together. Ready? One, two, three. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This promise take on a covenantal form three chapters later, where God himself make an oath to Abraham. God made an oath to you that he will fulfill this covenant. So today, you need to fully comprehend and receive it. My aim for you today is that when you leave this place, you will never one day stop to prophesy this covenant into your life. In the ancient East, let me listen as I begin to tell you stories. Today, there's a lot of stories, so you need to follow, you need to follow and not fall asleep. Because if you fall asleep, you will not receive the revelation. It will not transform your life. Amen. Amen. In the ancient East, when they make a covenant, they say, we cut a covenant. They don't say we make. They say the covenant is cut. And it involves sacrificial animals. So they will present an animal and they will cut the animal into half. So they will put the animal on opposite side. And the two parties that enters the covenant will walk through the cut animals together. Sometimes the greater king will demand for the lower king alone to walk through the cut animals. What does this represent? 
it is telling everyone who witnesses that if we do not perform this covenant, let us be like the cut animals, wow. die by being cut into half. That is how serious this covenant is. Now, what is so amazing is this, that in this covenant that God cut with Abraham, God himself alone, the greater king, walked through the cut animals. You feel the sense, the fear of the Lord? How serious this covenant is to your father that he will make an oath to you, that he will fulfill it in your life. In Genesis 15, God began to tell Abraham to bring a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Except for the birds, all these animals were cut into half. And then God put a deep sleep into Abraham. God put a deep sleep. Do you know why God put him in a deep sleep? This is how kind our father is. He put a deep sleep into Abraham so that Abraham will not interfere in this covenant. This whole covenant will be he alone. And when Abraham was in a deep sleep, God came to him and God began to prophesy about his life. He said, Abraham, don't you worry. You will live a long life and you will be buried together with your descendants. Your descendants will be caught in uh, Egypt. They will grow in such huge numbers. They will be made slaves. But don't worry. 400 years later, I'm going to bring them back to the Canaan land, which I promise you. And after after he said that, he began to do this. And let's read together. Let's see uh, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 17. And then it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven. Everyone say a smoking oven. Smoking oven. And a burning torch. Say a burning torch. That passed through these pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. The Lord cut a covenant with Abraham. The smoking oven and the burning torch are divine emblem of divine being, which represents God Himself walking through the cut animal, making a vow to Abraham that whatever he promised him in Genesis chapter 12, he will perform himself. And if he doesn't perform, he will take on the curse and he will be cut into half. What a great God we serve. That he would invade humanity and give us such grace and love and mercy. And two chapters later in chapter 17, God instructed Abraham to circumcise himself and his sons and all the male descendants in his camp so that every day, how many of you went to pee this morning? (laughs) We go to the bathroom many times a day. Every day, they will be remembered over and over and over again. This covenant with the Lord. Okay, don't go somewhere you should not be going. (laughs) 
You understand why the circumcision? So that they will remember his covenant. That's how God himself is so serious with his covenant. God made a distinction between him and the pagan gods. In the Abrahamic covenant, God repeated this covenant to three generations. Everyone say Abraham, Abraham. Isaac, Isaac, and Jacob. In Genesis 12, 21, 28, he repeated it to three generations. And the apostles and the disciples, when they uh, began to share the gospel, when they do signs and wonders, heal the sick, deliver the, the um, tormented, they always credit it to the God of Abraham. One more time. So God made a distinction between himself and the God of pagans, the pagan gods. So what is the purpose of the Abrahamic covenant and how is it fulfilled? That's where you came into the picture. That's where I come into the picture. And listen, all these stories, I want you to look at the screen, but listen with your spirit ear how this whole thing plays out. In the beginning, the covenant centered around Abraham. Right, it centered around Abraham, and God gave him a promise. His wife, Sarah, cannot give birth, was barren. And at the age of 90, God performed a miracle, and they gave birth to Isaac, right? And in the process, while they journey, while they journey to the promised land, God began to deliver Abraham from many troubles. Abraham is not a perfect man. He has fear in his life, fear of men in his life, and, you know, he has ways that God is not you know, fully aligned with. But God always delivered him, delivered him from the Pharaoh, delivered him from the Abimelech. Then his descendants grew, and then they got caught in, uh, through Joseph. They stayed in Egypt, and they grew so much, Pharaoh was afraid of them, made them slaves. And they stayed in their land for 400 years as slaves. And God sent, God raised up Moses, called a man, and then sent him to the Israelites in Egypt and delivered them, brought them out of Egypt to come back into the land of Canaan to fulfill what he said to Abraham, remember, in his deep sleep, right? So bring them back to Canaan land, made them into a kingdom, and further on developed them into a nation. Well, in this process of this journey, what happened is this. When they walked through uh, Egypt, came to know the God of Israel, right? Because of the plague, because of what God performed. So they had an encounter with the God of Israel. And when the Israelites were walking through the journey to Canaan, many signs and wonders were happening. People around the, the, the city, the mountains, all heard of what the God of Abraham did for the people of God. Fear, dread, the Bible says, and fear came to the hearts of all the pagan worshippers. They say, beware of the God of? Because their God is powerful. Their God is able to deliver. Their God is able to, pro, uh, to do signs and wonders. Amen. So you see how one man, through one man, his life, his whole family got saved, and his whole community began to hear of the Lord. Now, when they came to the Jericho Wall, 
Rahab, everyone say Rahab. Rahab, Rahab heard what the God of did. She was fully convinced this God is worth following. This God is different from the pagan God that she has been worshipping. That day when the spies came up the wall, she said, this is my opportunity. I'm going to follow this God of? And I'm going to get out of my destruction into destiny with the God of? So that day, Rahab left her culture, left her past, left her occupation, left the people that she grew up with, left the people that she played marble with, left the people that she went to dine and eat with and dance disco with. He, she left all of them. And she clung on to the God of? That day, she changed the trajectory of her life and her father and her mother and her brother and the sister and her nephew and her niece because Rahab chose the God of? She got married to Salmon. Salmon and gave birth to Boaz. Boaz gave birth to Jesse. Jesse gave birth to David. David. And there comes the lineage of Jesus Christ. But the gospel did not spread in a big way until Jesus Christ was born. And then Jesus Christ began to task the apostle and the disciples to share the gospel, right? To bring the gospel to every part of the world. And in the book of Acts, God commanded the disciples to make their way out of Israel to Judah, to Judea, to Samaria, and all throughout the world. The Bible says the gospel of Jesus Christ will be successful. And that is where you and I come in. You and I, like Rahab, decided to abandon our past life, our pagan gods, our, our own idols, and began to cling on to the God of Together, we become the remnant. Together, we form the body of Christ, the church of the living God. So the gospel of Jesus Christ will be successful. It will penetrate all nations, the Bible says. It will penetrate all language groups. It will penetrate all tribes and multitudes will be saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. As in spoken in Revelation 5, verses 9 to 10. And finally, Matthew 24 and verse 14 says, This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world, and then the end will come. And all God's people say? Amen. So that is the purpose. God called one man, and through one man, God began to save his family, save his community, and began to show the world what who God is so that others will come along. That is always the pattern. Because in the Bible, God writes all these stories to show you a pattern. Everyone say pattern. pattern. 
certain principles and patterns. This is the pattern. God called one man and one woman. Many of you have been called. But will you, like Rahab, totally leave your past life? Will you leave the culture, your Mexican culture, your Asian culture, your black culture, your white culture, whatever culture you come from? Will you leave all those cultures and embrace the culture of the God of? What kind of covenant is this? Number one, it is a unilateral covenant. Unilateral because only one party sacrifice. Only one party needs to fulfill this. And that is who? God of? Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Everyone say, it is God's gift. It is God's gift to us. The same covenant that he gave to Abraham, he will not revoke this covenant. And he is vehement. The word is vehement. He is vehement to fulfill it in your life. It is the one thing that he lived for, if I may say. It is the one thing that he lived for every day to fulfill this covenant. John 3 verse 16 says, what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The covenant is yours. And God has already endorsed it, vowed to himself that he will fulfill the covenant in your life. Number two, it is an unbreakable covenant. It is an unbreakable covenant because God himself cannot die. And if he cannot die, he must fulfill the covenant. Do you understand this? Because he himself cannot die. So this covenant will continue as long as he lives. He must fulfill the covenant. All right? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 in the Message Bible. Can you read this together with me? Ready? One, two, three. God can't break his word, and because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. His promise is unchangeable. In this time and age, words means nothing to people. They promise and don't fulfill. They enter into a covenant till death do us part, but how many of them really fight for their marriage till death do us part? And because we are the descendants of broken marriages, I myself included, we don't see that people are fulfilling their words. Maybe you have people who spoke something into your life, promised something, but never fulfill it. Then we grew up in this environment where we think it's okay to say and not fulfill. It's okay. I just just tell you things you want to hear, but I, I have no intention to fulfill that word. Our children grow up in a family where their parents do not fulfill their promise, where they didn't take care of them, and they grow up not valuing the word, not valuing their words, because they say words are free and casual means nothing. You understand how that is so far 
from the character of God. Because God will not say something He will not do. God will not promise something that He will not deliver. That is Numbers 23 and verse 19. God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should repent. Has He said and will He not do? Or has He spoken and will He not make good? What about 2 Timothy? I know I jumped the verse a little bit. Let's go back to 2 Timothy uh, verse two and, uh, chapter 2 and verse 13. I want you to read this together with me. Ready? One, two, three. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, true to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. Your faithlessness doesn't change his faithfulness. Your faithlessness doesn't change his faithfulness. Many a times in our church world, we want to tie them both together. Say, if you are faithless, God cannot, God will not fulfill his word. No, God is still very, very serious to fulfill his word. But he will bring you to that place of faithfulness. He doesn't change the other way. Amen? Amen. So his whole life's purpose is to bring you to that place of faithfulness so that he can fulfill his oath to you. Not the other way around. It is an unbreakable covenant. Number three, it is not entirely an unconditional covenant. Many scholars say it is unconditional. That's not true. From my study of the word, it is not unconditional. It is unconditional in giving. God is unconditional to give. God didn't say, Abraham, you need to be perfect. You need to read the word. You need to pray how many hours a day. You need to fast how many days in a year. God didn't say that. It is unconditional in his giving. But it is conditional in its receiving. Many of us don't understand how this works. God loves me. God says he'll bless me. He'll give all this to me. But I don't see it in my life. You know, I come to church. I tithe. I do ministry. But I don't see it in my life. You see, there is a difference between giving and receiving. The problem is you receiving. It's never the problem with the giving. God has already given, but you have failed to receive, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit more, but let's read what God said to Moses. Now, the Mo- Mosaic Covenant is an extension of the Abrahamic Covenant. They are not in conflict. They are the extension of each other. So when uh, the people of Israel were in the wilderness, God began to speak to, Abraham, uh, speak to Moses. And this is what he said in Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 to um, probably 9 and 10. All right, and he says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will, send you, will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Everyone say, It shall come on me, it shall come on me. and overtake me. So God's intention is that if you obey God, you trust and obey God, the blessing of God come upon you and overtake you. Yeah. 
Like what the Bible says, above and beyond whatever you can imagine or think of. So it is the same covenant, but God is saying the reason why you are not receiving it is because you do not trust that I am your covenant God and you do not obey what I'm saying to you. Right? So I'm going to read, and in verse 3, I'm going to read the verse, and I want you to declare the word that is in bold, all right? And it says, this is the blessing. It says, and when you say, when you say the word, I want you to mean it and say it to yourself, all right? Verse 3, it says, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. I am blessed. Verse 4, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall, you, uh, blessed shall be your basket and your knitting bow. I have provision. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. I am blessed wherever I go. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face, and they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and you will bless in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. I have a blessing. Verse 9 and 10, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, and just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Brothers and sisters, this is what prosperity is about. Prosperity is not about how much money you have. Prosperity is way more than that. That you receive everything in the covenant according to God's instruction. That you will make yourself a distinction amongst the people of the land. You are people who will trust and obey Him. This distinction will come in the form of the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant in your life. Amen. Can I hear amen? amen? This is Chinese New Year period, right? And every time during Chinese New Year, parents will give their kids this red packet or we give our, uh, our parents to bless them. And I want to say this. I want to demonstrate something. I want to tell you that there is $100 here in this red packet. And I want to call out whoever comes up to the stage first will get this red packet. <laughs> All right, Samuel. That's not fair. You see so close. All right, Samuel, come. You can't see that there's money in here. Why do you come? Because you said. Because I said. Would I lie to you? No. Why, why do you think you, I would not lie to you? Because I know you. Because you know me. Wow. So you trust me that whatever I say is true. Yes. All right. Then... Did, did, I, uh, did we rehearse this? No, Can you tell the audience here today? No. Did we rehearse this? No, didn't, rehearse. Did, didn't rehearse this. No. You just trust me that there's $100 here. Yeah. So you came out stage. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Why don't you open it and see if there's $100 there? Okay. Woo! Now, uh, don't worry. I'm going to give it to you. Uh, <laughs> but I want to ask you this question. If I tell you there's $100 here, and you trust me there's $100 here, but if you don't come out stage and obey what my instruction, will you get this $100? No. 
So because you trust me and you obeyed my instruction, henceforth, you have this $100. Let's give Sammy a big hand. What about the giving to the parent part? That's a... So trust in your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, trust in your heart that this covenant that God made a vow to Abraham, he has already made a vow to you that he will fulfill it and if not, God will die. God is dead serious about his promise to the people of God. When I understand this, do you know power came back into my life? Because many a times when I see believers, they walk around like a victim. They walk around begging God. They walk around thinking that, oh, I must do this, I must do that. That's why I'm not rich. That's why I'm not prospering. That's why. Because I haven't done this, I haven't done that. That is religion. But when you understand, it is in your power to trust and obey. Everyone say trust. Trust. Everyone say obey. Obey. Whose power is it to trust and obey? Me. You. So if you understand what I understood, then you will walk in the fulfillment of the covenant. Because it is in my power, I can will myself to trust God. Despite my circumstances, despite my experiences, I may not fully understand all that, but I will myself, I will trust God. I will myself to obey God, even though sometimes it looks as if I'm foolish. Sometimes it may seem like the world don't understand what I'm doing, what I'm doing, but I obey God and trust that He will fulfill His covenant. But what is the thing that hinders us from fulfilling the covenant, from from trusting and obeying God? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, verse 14, and that is idolatry. Idolatry has always been the problem, but it is not idolatry outside the church that is the problem. It is idolatry within the church that is the problem. And it's not because you are worshipping a God made of stones and ivory, but that you worship yourself above God. That's why you cannot trust God, because you are your own God. That's why you cannot obey God, because you come first. You, you consider your feelings before you consider the Word of God. You consider what other people did before you say, should I do this? You consider if your pastor loves you and cares for you and say, good job, before you decide, should I serve the church? But this church doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. Amen? Amen. Idolatry is still the problem today. That's why you cannot trust God. Because you cannot trust what you don't see. But the fact of the matter is, you are created. Only the creator can see beyond the natural. Amen? Amen? When you don't trust God, you trust yourself to be God. You trust yourself to be the blessing wherever you go. You trust yourself to protect yourself. You trust yourself to come into abundance. You trust yourself to be a sign which all these weighs heavily on your shoulder. That's why so many Christians are depressed. That's why so many Christians are not happy. That's why so many Christians are not walking in the joy of the Lord. Due to Romani, 28.14 says what? Let's read this together. Ready? One, two, three. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, 
to go after other gods to serve them. Amen. Amen. Don't serve other gods, and that includes yourself. As we brave another year of uncertainty, let us not waver at the certainty of God's covenant for us that first started with this man, Abraham. The story of Abraham is repeated over and over and over again. God is still calling you out, men and women of God. God is calling you out to walk a different walk, to live a different life, to trust him that when you follow him, others will follow you, and they shall come to know God, they shall be protected, and they shall be provided for. I want to come back to Genesis 12 again. Abraham, God called Abraham, God called him out of idolatry to come into covenant with the God of Abraham. Today, God is calling you to leave. Some of you have not totally left. You have not left your culture and that's why your culture frame the way you think. And you cannot think God's culture because you're still steep in your own culture. God is asking you to leave your past lifestyle, drinking, smoking, indulging in your flesh. God is asking you to leave. God is asking you to leave relationship that's causing you to be shackled to the ground and follow the God of There are certain things God is speaking to all of us. And some of you is to leave your fear and come into the covenant of, by faith. Don't change. You see, many of us, we, we think that God doesn't see or we don't respond quickly. But what is causing you is you're causing you the prolonged pain. The fact of the matter is, I want to encourage you don't, don't just wait. Don't change because you feel the heat. Change because you can see the light. Change because you can see where God is leading you to fulfill His covenant. Some of you, God is asking you to leave the memory world, leave your trust in money and trust in the God of your money. But you're still hanging on to the memon and say, God, I trust you. That is nonsense, if I may say that. Because there's no way God is going to be God if money is your God. In a time of crisis like ours, in a time of economic uncertainty, look at Isaac, the son of Abraham. Right? Abraham was, was called out to be a blessing. But look at Isaac. Isaac sowed in the land and reaped a hundredfold. We know that verse. But do you know Isaac wanted to go to Egypt? Because there was famine. He wanted to go to Egypt. And God said, stop. Don't put your trust back in the God of Egypt. Put your trust in me and sowed in this land. And see that I will perform the miracle for you. And Isaac obeyed and stayed in that land. 
And in Genesis 26, it says, He reaped a hundredfold, and he began to prosper and continue prospering until he became very prosperous. Everyone say very prosperous. Very prosperous. So do not fear what the economic situation is. What is this recession? What is all this inflation going on? If you come under the sanctuary, if you find heaven here on earth, if you are the remnant who follows God, will not God bring you to that place where it's flowing with milk and honey? Look at Isaac's son, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look at Jacob. Jacob was a man who always ran away from God. He didn't trust God. You see, because he has a father who didn't favor him. And because he never really received the love of the Father, he was, he was God's chosen, yet he was a spiritual orphan. He didn't really trust that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will provide for him. So he constantly ran away. And his uncle Laban made use of that and profited himself. Called Jacob to work for him seven years and marry the wrong daughter. And worked another seven years, eventually married Rachel. And when he was about to depart, the uncle wanted to come in and, and exploit him again. He said, no, this time I'm going to have a three-day distance between you and I. You will take the strong livestock, let the weak one, the spotted and the speckled, I will take them. Because less people say, you made me rich. Listen here, Jacob did not go to Maxwell's school of vision or leadership. Maxwell's school of the power of vision. But God gave him uncommon strategy. God gave him a divine strategy. And you know what he did? He, he began to take up the poplar stick and began to make strips in the poplar stick. And he put in that water trough so that when the strong sheep, when the sheep that belongs to Laban came to drink water in the trough, they were made there. So he put all this stick with, with little strips, green and white, green and white, around the water trough. And while they made it there, the strong sheep that is pure began to give birth to strong little babies that is spotted and speckled. What an amazing strategy. Where do you think Jacob got that strategy? The God of? Anointed him and gave him strategies that no one had taught him before. And he began to be very prosperous. In fact, in Genesis 30 verse 43, it says, Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, camels and donkeys. How did a servant become even more prosperous than the master? It can only be the God of? What about you? The covenant is for you. Look what God did for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what is your story? What will your story be this year? How will God fulfill His covenant towards you? In Haggai chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, before God says there's a shaking of the heavens and the earth, 
God spoke to Zerubbabel, God's, the priest, the governor, and God spoke to Joshua, the high priest, and spoke to all the people. And this is what God says, be strong. Everyone say, be strong. Be strong. Turn to your neighbor, say, be strong. be strong. And say together with me, do not fear. Do not be afraid. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, He will come and He will lead us to that place where we will see the fulfillment of the covenant. 2023 is the beginning of distinction. Everyone say distinction. God is going to highlight you. God is going to bring forth the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant in your life. But we must learn to trust and obey. Stand up with me today. Trust and obey. Everyone say, I will trust and obey. Will you trust and obey God? You see, I want to say this, that when God gave Abraham that vision to make an oath, that he will perform the covenant. The fact is, in Genesis 14, before that covenant was given to Abraham, before that oath was given to Abraham, do you know what happened in Genesis 14? In Genesis 14, Abraham met Melchizedek. Abraham met Melchizedek. He's the prince of Salem with no father, no mother, and he rules. The Bible says he is a prince. He is a high priest that rules forever and ever. So you understand this Melchizedek was the personified of God. God came in a human form and met Abraham. Listen carefully. That Abraham did something in that chapter 14. When he saw God, he knew in his heart, this is God. And what he did was Abraham took the initiative to give a tithe to, the, to the, uh, Melchizedek. That is the beginning of tithing. Tithing didn't start with God. It started with men responding to God's goodness and God's promise. And because he did that in 15, God appeared to him and made a vow. Because you did that, you started something that will not stop. And it will bless all nations because you are willing to recognize me as your God. So you understand how sacred and important the tithing is. Because when you withhold tithe, you become your own God. You become your own sanctuary. You will have to find your own heaven here on earth. But when you tithe to God, what is it? What does it do? It reminds you of the oath that God has given to you. That He will be the same that He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He will be the God of your life. So understand, the tithing didn't start with God. It started with men responding to God. And God established it as a sign. A sign. That's why today you don't have to be circumcised. Men don't have to be circumcised. But it is the tithe now becomes the sign of your circumcision. Amen? 
And when you receive, when you are a tither, you say, God, I'm a tither. I come before you and I remind you of the covenant you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you will provide for me, that you will bring me to a land, uh, uh, the land that I, I need to inherit, that you will protect me, and you will bring me into the land of abundance, that I shall be a sign of distinction to this generation. So tonight, today, before we end, I want all of you to really make a pledge that you do not start this year, 2023, without tithing. Yeah. That you will be a tither yeah. so that you don't become your own God and you remind God of His covenant. So today, eyes closed and heads bowed. I want you to make a pledge that you will not rob God of His tithe. I want you to begin to come before God right now in your own ways and allow God to bring forth that revelation of how serious this covenant is and that you will come in covenant with your God. If you have not tithed or you have not been a tither, but today you feel you know God is speaking to you, I want you to take an offering envelope right now. Right, there's offering envelope on your seat. I want you to take an offering envelope right now and begin to write your tithe. I say, God, I will be a tither. If you have not given your tithe, right now will be the chance to give your tithe to make it right on the first month of the year 2023. And all of you, if you hear this word and you say, God, I want to see the covenant of God fulfilled in my life, I want you to give an offering on the altar to seal the word over your life right now. Just give an offering. Whoever wants to give an offering, give the offering on the altar right now. And we're going to sing this song, the blessing song. And for all of you who have children, I want the children to come into the hall right now. And Pastor Derek and I will pray a blessing over them as an extension of God's authority on this house. Jesus.